0: Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode, number 402, we're actually starting a six-week series. I have a new book coming out April 18th. It's called Right Where You Belong. And so for the next six weeks, I'm going to be interviewing either people who I mention in the book or other people who are going to help us work through this concept of identifying and fully occupying your God-given space. So this week, I'm welcoming to the show, Vanitha Risner.
1: I wish you could say it's like this once and done thing where you trust God and you say, yes, I know God got it right. But I feel like every time disaster (laughs) comes to my doorstep, I'm like, God, this is not my package. Like, I don't want to open this. You got it wrong. I, I don't want this. Can I send it back? And I think every time God reminds me um, that he got it right, but I'm going to have to live into it.
0: So in researching for my book, specifically for the first chapter, which is called Never Missing Out, I stumbled upon Vinitha and her story. So for me personally, I know that the feeling behind a lot of what motivated writing this book was the lie that I'm missing something or I have missed my calling or there's something going on that I'm not a part of and I'm lacking because of it or my life is insignificant because of X, Y, and Z. And I love what Venitha shares about us experiencing God uniquely in our own stories. And it so beautifully fits with us identifying and occupying our own God-given spaces. So I'm thrilled to share her with you. If you are someone who is walking in a season of suffering or you have, Venitha's is your girl. She has written great books and devotionals. She has other resources. She mentions that we have linked in the show notes. Stephanie's done a great job. There are so many Fantastic resources to find if you go to the show notes. If you're listening on a podcast app, they're usually right below in the notes, or you can go to the website, heathermcfadyen.com, and you can see the notes for this episode. Vanitha knows chronic illness. She understands walking through divorce, loss of a child, so many hard things, and through it all, she would claim that you're not missing out, that God has things for you right where you are. And so I'm thrilled to share her with you. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Benita, welcome to the Dome Mom Alone podcast. Thank you. I am so
1: excited about our conversation. Excited to be here today.
0: Well, I'm thrilled to get to connect my people with you and your story. It's, you know, I have never heard anyone's story like your story. So (laughs) there you go. You get the gold star on best... Best story, most interesting, unique story, Um, and I want to get into it, and also, I share a piece of your writing in my new book in the first chapter, and so we'll get into that a little bit, but tell us first and foremost about your kids. I often have guests kind of introduce your kids, and I know that's part of your story too, so. Yeah, yeah. You're used to telling your story and the order you go in. So I will also just let you lead in that.
1: Oh, well, I'm happy to do it anyway. But right now I have two daughters and two stepdaughters. So my um, daughters are Katie and Christy. Um, Katie got married in 2021 and she and her husband, Alex, live here in Raleigh. And Christy just got engaged, my younger one. And she and her, I know, she and her fiance, Zach, are getting married in November. So... Um, right before this call, I was actually calling around doing wedding things because <laughs> that's what you do. That's your
0: stage. That's the mom stage you're in. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So it's, you know, it's funny how time flies There you just kind of can't believe you're in this stage. And then I have two great stepdaughters and um, sons-in-law and three grandchildren um, through them. So yeah, it's a, uh,
0: it's a busy life. Busy life. Fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's get into some of your story because um, like i mentioned. A lot's happened on your journey with Jesus. And so where do you want to begin? Um, I can just start at the beginning, actually. Okay. So um, I, I mean, I'll go fast for your listeners. Yeah. They're like,
1: are you serious? She's going to start <laughs> the um,
0: No, it's kind of an important beginning. Y'all, I need to know the beginning. Yes.
1: Well, I was um, born in India and I got polio when I was three months old. And the vaccine had been developed you know, a decade earlier. And everybody that my parents knew, everybody that we knew had the vaccine and nobody had seen polio. And in India, they usually give the vaccine, though, at six months old and not three months. So um, I got polio, but the doctors had no idea what it was because they had never seen it. At a young doctor, she had never seen it. So she prescribed uh, something different for me. She thought I had typhoid. And she was actually just a friend of my parents and she gave me the wrong medicine and typhoid basically breaks down your body's immune system. They uh, sort of sorry. They gave me cortisone for typhoid, broke down my body's immune system. So within a day, I was completely paralyzed and I was a quadriplegic, actually. And the doctor said, oh, my, we didn't recognize this. She had polio. And so there was nothing they could do. They basically told my parents I would not even sit up. I would never be able to do anything. And they told my parents to leave India because in India, disability is a curse. And so they said, there's no way, You know, if you can, you should leave the country. So my parents did, and we moved to England. My dad got a job as a telephone installer, actually in London, he had been a professor. So he basically gave up his career for me and for my medical care. And so we moved to England and to Canada. And by the time I was 13, I had had 21 operations. So I had... Oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: Something you can say really quickly. And if anyone's had one operation, they recognize this is like a lot.
1: It It was a lot. And it was a lot, Heather, because my parents didn't have a lot of money. So we were in a free hospital in Canada. And so they could only visit me on weekends. I lived in the hospital.
0: So you're there as a child alone.
1: Yes. Yes. And so that just, that was hard. And when I was home from the hospital, I was bullied because, you know, kids at that age, I actually did learn to walk when I was seven, which is kind of incredible. Um, That's a whole nother story, but the kids, I've always walked with a limp. I've never been really strong and kids were just really cruel and made fun of me. And so I didn't even know whether I wanted to be in the hospital away from my family, but with other people who weren't going to ask me what was wrong with me all the time and mock me or be home with my family in a world where I just didn't fit in. So grew up honestly, pretty angry at God. I just, my parents were Christians our Christians um, took me to church and I would listen, but I would think you guys have no idea what suffering is. And so I was angry at God until I got to high school and A friend of mine and I would um, go to FCA, which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes, because we were interested in the boys. I had nothing to do with God. I didn't even think about God. Um, And then she became a believer. And that rocked my world because all she wanted to do was talk about God. And incredibly, I became a believer. Like God just sort of spoke to me through scripture, became a believer and really thought my life was gonna be wonderful. And and in a lot of ways, I mean, our life is is wonderful, but I thought I was gonna have success in everything I did. And for a few years, I really did. Like I went to college, worked at my dream job, went to grad school, met and married a classmate. Everything was perfect. And then Heather, life fell apart. And I wasn't prepared for that because I really thought the abundant life that we have in Christ meant things were going to go well. And sort of in a nutshell, just as life unraveled, I had four miscarriages. Um, my husband had an affair in our marriage. I had a son who had a hypoplastic left heart. who he was born actually in between the two daughters that I have now, Paul. And he was doing fine, but the doctors took him off his medicine and um, this one doctor who saw him didn't really understand his situation. Similarly, in some ways to my the doctor that misdiagnosed me, and Paul died a few days after that. Then I was diagnosed with post-polio syndrome, which means that my body's going backwards. So eventually, I will end up the way I was when I first got polio, which was quadriplegic. And I didn't really understand what that would mean when I first heard it. Like, I don't know, I'm sure there are people listening that you get a diagnosis, but it doesn't feel real. Like you hear something is going to happen, but it doesn't feel real till it starts happening. And so they basically told me I needed to stop doing everything that I'm doing. I was doing because with post-polio, basically your body starts wearing out. And so the more you do, the weaker you get. And so they said your strength, they told me my strength and energy was like money in a bank. And so everything I did was making a withdrawal. So right now I, I use a wheelchair more than I walk. I don't write very often with my hands. I use voice activated software. Um, so my life has gotten quite different um, over the years and just adapting to that. And then my, um, my ex-husband came home and told me he was living for someone else so after his first affair we put our marriage back together and and I have no regrets honestly for that but he found someone else moved out of state and I parented two very angry adolescent daughters by myself and that was really the hardest time in my life they were 10 and 13 just rebelled against God against me life was really hard and I despaired a lot about their And just even, are these people going to be responsible people? I I didn't really think that could happen. Dave and I divorced. And then six years actually after he had left, exactly, he left in 2009. And in 2015, I remarried an amazing man named Joel. And I love his name because Joel 225 says, I will restore the years the locust has eaten. And God did, restored so much in Joel, who was incredible. And both my daughters came back to faith, which was amazing. And one is married to an amazing Christian guy, and the other one is engaged to an amazing Christian guy. And that was beyond what I ever expected. Like, I just didn't think that could happen. And one of the verses, I was just thinking about this just now, um, that I clung to is that God brings life to the dead and brings Things, okay, I will have to quote it for you. I will do that in a second. But um, basically, the things that we see are not always the things that are going to happen. And I feel, felt like, and I'm thinking a lot of people listening are parents with kids that um, you're just wondering, where are they going
0: with their behavior? And I mean, like, we I'm wondered like that. i my hand and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm I mean, yes, no, I, you wonder I'm that. very encouraged by your story. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean,
1: even when they're three and they're being super difficult, you're like, what am, am I going to be visiting them in jail one day? No, Maybe that shows you where my mind goes. No, I mean, <laughs> that's
0: that's the real, real. That's a lot of moms. And then you get super close to, oh, you're making decisions that legit are illegal. So that's, yeah. that could get you in jail. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And where's your heart? Like, is yes. it surrendered to God? Doesn't look like it.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. and a lot of times kids make a profession of faith when they're young and then they walk away and you think, what was real? Yeah, and that was my question. A lot of times was what was real because they're yeah. not acting like believers. And I have a friend who said parenting is a long game. Mm. When my kids were walking away and and being so difficult, and that was really some of the best advice: is it's, it's a long game, and so you can't just look at one scene from it, and you know this is the first inning or the first match, and um. But I remember reading in um, Romans four that um, Abraham believed God that he gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Mm. And that was really comforting to me because I thought, I don't see faith. I don't see all these things, but God calls into existence the things that don't exist.
0: Mm. Man. First of all, thank you for sharing all that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We know that the more we share, the less the enemy gets a hold of our testimony and God gets glorified in it. So thank you for doing it for us on the show. Um, There's so much to your story of pain and possible places of bitterness to grow. Um, I even share in the book, my own journey of like defining how Tim Keller defines bitterness as believing God got it wrong. And I could imagine in your story with doctors, with the loss of a child, with the loss of the health of your body. That there could be bitterness towards the medical profession. And then, it, you know, God got wrapped up in that too, of like, you got this really wrong. Oh,
1: yeah. I, I've walked through so many seasons of bitterness. And, you know, I wish it could say it's like this once and done thing where you trust God and you say, yes, I know God got it right. But I feel like every time disaster <laughs> comes to my doorstep, I'm like, God, this is not my package. Like, I don't want to open this. You got it wrong. I I don't want this. Yeah. Can I send it back? And I think every time God reminds me um, that he got it right, but I'm going to have to live into it and, and wait and trust him in the dark. Because I think um, a friend of mine says something similar. She always says, this isn't the ticket we bought. And I think we look at our lives and say, this isn't the ticket we bought. and And God mm. got it wrong. And I would say... My first uh, experience with that was when my son died, and I was just so sure that God was going to be glorified through his life, and we had been praying and felt like we were faithful, and it just didn't feel like God would do that to someone who was faithful. And it really reoriented my theology, though, honestly, Heather. When that happened, I really had this functional theology that— if you love God and and read the Bible and do the stuff that God calls you to do, then those things aren't going to happen. Yeah, And it really changed me when I realized they do happen. So what am I going to do with that? Am I going to run away from God? Which I really tried to do. I wouldn't say actually that I ran away. I always say I leaned away. And that means I didn't want to look at God. I did not want to talk to mm-hmm. God. I didn't really want a relationship with yeah. him, but I I didn't turn around and say, "Okay, I'm I'm an atheist. I'm I'm walking away from faith." But I was lonely and I didn't sense God's presence. Of course God was still there, but I think if we aren't looking for him, we don't sense that he is there. And I felt very alone and it was really in mm-hmm. calling out to him and and asking him mm-hmm. to change me and fill me that I came back to really wanting to be in God's presence and realizing, and this has been an overtime thing, that God uses everything for our good and for his glory. And I think sometimes we have to say that seeing nothing. And a lot of times we don't see anything. I mean, I don't know if I will see this side of heaven, all that God did in in taking Paul, but I have to trust that God is going to use this one day and is using it in ways that I can't see or know, but trust that he is.
0: Such a word. Oh my goodness. We could sit on that for a long time. Okay. This may sound a little self centered, but have you ever Googled yourself? Have you ever looked for your name on a search engine? You would be surprised by all the personal information that is available online. Your name, your home address, your phone numbers can all be found easily. I was amazed when I partnered with Aura and I put in my email address, how many different data centers had my information. And that they so quickly in just a click asked me to be removed from their list. It is so fantastic. And what I loved about Aura too, is there's a lot of different things that they do all in one place. So whether it's online safety, your family, you have heard about Circle in the past. Well, they are now partners with Circle. And so you can lock down your Wi-Fi from home. If you are someone who struggles to remember passwords, they have a password manager, which I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan of remembering one password and then all the other ones are locked in there and it kind of fills it in for me and if Bruce changes one, it changes it on there and we don't have to worry about messing each other up when it comes to logging into things. Your computer virus protection, your VPN, any kind of suspicious credit activity Aura is always scanning the dark web to look for your email address, your passwords, your social security numbers, other sensitive information, and you'll get an alert in real time. If you become a victim of ID theft, their white glove flawed resolution team is going to help you navigate all the credit bureaus, help you initiate the, the credit freezes or lock and work with you around the clock to resolve it. I just feel like Aura is this one-stop shop to help you when it comes to all the things that we don't see that are going on and the places our brain wants to go, like, am I safe there? I don't know. I don't want to think about it. They also help reduce those annoying robocalls. That's what I was saying by getting you off those lists. So for a limited time, Aura is offering our listeners a 14-day trial plus a check of your data to see if your personal information has been leaked online all for free when you visit Aura. It's spelled A-U-R-A dot com slash D-M-A. That's Aura dot com slash D-M-A to sign up for a 14-day free trial and start protecting you and your loved ones. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash D-M-A. Certain terms apply, so be sure to check the site for details. So I haven't shared with you what I wrote about you, in the book, but I was going to read it because this chapter is called never missing out. And it's this lie. We believe, right. That and I'm sure Benita in the hospital, Benita not getting to use her body, you know, all the places where your story is not the typical journey. The lie that could be believed is I'm missing out on something and just trusting and this is the word God gave me was if I'm in the middle of God's will, I'm never missing out. I love that. Then what's hard is when we're in the suffering places, is this God's will, right? Like what is God's will? (laughs) Like, surely this amount of suffering couldn't be God's will. And that's what you're saying. Like God got it wrong, but then like wrestling and coming to the place where you're like, okay, even in this. And I think the article I came across that you wrote was about his presence. And you were just talking about that. Like, feeling his presence and recognizing even that journey of experiencing his presence may look different than your peers may look different than the other Christians in your life. For me, I would love going outside and just nature was would speak to me and you shared, and I'm going to read it. Okay. Are you ready for this? Okay. I recently heard the story of Anita Reisner who lives with disabilities from childhood polio. She had over two dozen surgeries as a child and has experienced many heartaches in her lifetime. Benita had read countless devotionals on how God speaks through nature, and she longed to experience him in that way. But her inability to navigate the terrain independently prevented her from that experience, which made her feel like she was missing out. Is this all right? Yes, <laughs> it feels,
1: it's all it feels, right.
0: feels super weird to be telling you what you think. Um until one day when a friend helped her to a bench facing a beautiful waterfall in the woods. Unfortunately, she discovered that the reality fell short of her expectation. After trying for over an hour to have a meaningful faith experience, Benita was helped back inside, frustrated that everything in her life had to be hard. Wondering why God showed up for other people, but not for her, she sat down at a desk and opened her Bible to the same passage she'd been reading outside. This time, the words jumped off the page. She felt encouraged and embraced by God's presence. Beneath the notes, and this is your quote, I wasn't missing out. I didn't need to go anywhere special to experience God. He wanted to meet me where I was in a way that was readily accessible to me. I didn't need to feel jealous that other people climbed mountains and sat by beautiful streams to commune with God. God meets me in different ways. Mm. Yeah. I so remember that, (laughs) (laughs) that moment, that experience. Yeah. I think that there are moms who it may, it's not a physical disability that's keeping them, but perhaps it's a newborn. It's, it's three young kids. It's balancing working outside the home and, and they're trying to meet with God and they're like frustrated that it's not the way they used to, or it's not the way they see a friend doing it. And so, I think it resonates on so many levels, but talk to us about your journey. Like, how did you connect with the way that God meets you? Yeah.
1: Well, I would say through most of my life, I always read these passages where people were, you know, at the base of a waterfall or on a mountaintop and, you know, they hiked for miles and it was amazing. And there was God and so I always thought, wow, I, I am missing out. And maybe there's this incredible experience of God to be found outside. And I know that people do find that. Mm. But it was it was such an interesting day when I was sitting there and I was with a bunch of people and they were all talking about how amazing that experience was. And I think it was so kind of God to let me be in that experience and realize that's not where he meets me. And I really was pretty frustrated when I got back to my room and looked out the window and was like, why didn't you meet me? Like, why did I just feel I felt cold and I felt irritable and I, you know, nothing felt comfortable for me. And yet God met me even in that moment. Like, this is where I meet you. This is where I've placed you. This is, this is where I'm going to meet you. I'm not going to expect you to climb mountains or do things you can't do to meet me. Mm. And that time was so sweet and so special. And And I do think that speaks to like all the moms out there that think, okay, I don't have three hours like some people or I don't get to go to conferences like those people come back from conferences just talking about how it's life changing. And I remember thinking, I can't go to conferences like that. Like, am I missing out on some life changing experience? And I think God wants us to know that right where we are, where we live, all the circumstances of our life are the best places for us to meet him. And you quoted Tim Keller at the beginning. And I love, um, he quotes John Newton in something that I read. Mm. I think his book, Walking Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. And John Newton says, everything is needful that he sends. Nothing can be needful that he withholds. And I Mm. think realizing nothing can be needful that he withholds. Whatever we don't have, we don't need. Um, has been really significant to me when I think if I had only gone to that conference or if I could only do that, then things would be so much better and realizing, no, they wouldn't be. We
0: don't need that if we don't have it. Yeah, that's really good. It goes with the second chapter of my book is about occupying your God-given space, like Mm -hmm. trusting that where he has you and the places he has you, even the hardest places and the suffering spaces are within his design for you and that you're not missing out, but this Hebrew definition of humility actually being to occupy your God-given space. So it's in humility, not just like humbling circumstances or humbling character, but this idea that we are holding a posture of humility and trust in who God is if we recognize what he's given us to store and what he hasn't. And like, I love that. What quote you just said of like, And trusting that there's a reason why it's not in our space right now. Yes. Like you have walked through circumstances that have humbled you. How do you even still like choose, yes, not to fall under that and feel less of yourself, but be empowered to recognize, God, you've entrusted me with all of this pain and all of this suffering. You know what I'm saying? Yes,
1: I I think it is a, daily thing. I wish I could say, like, I figured it out and it's all done. (laughs) And I think there are times when I still say, like, why can't I do those things? Like, this is frustrating. This is hard. And yet I feel like when I'm able to even just confess to God that that's how I feel rather than feeling like I need to have it all together. And I, I feel like that is what God has used to change me is not assuming that I have to be different, but recognizing this is where I am. Like I'm not satisfied with where I am and I wasn't satisfied even outside and just bringing that to God and letting him show me the truth. And so I think over and over when I say to the Lord, Hey, I, I, I'm not happy with this. He shows me, wow, I'm going to meet you right here, right where you are. And Mm -hmm. I think that's how we come around and recognize that uh, on a daily basis is just by confessing it to God.
0: Okay, with launching this book, I am doing a lot of interviews. I'm having to put on makeup, y'all, every day, okay? It's a big deal. And I am not someone who has fake eyelashes, but I'm super thankful that because of Thrive Cosmetics, I can look like someone who wears false eyelashes. They have... Such fantastic products, and I also know that they're going to be clean and that they are going to help other people. Let me tell you about the mascara I love. It's called Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. It has more than 25,000 five-star reviews because, okay, like I said, it makes my eyelashes look really long, but here's the key. It also doesn't damage them so they can keep growing because they use this proprietary tubing formula, which means it wraps around every lash, and then it lengthens it, but defines it, and it's not smudging. I have kind of like closed set eyes and like, anyway, oftentimes when I use makeup on my eyes, I get like ra- the raccoon look that gets dark under my eyes or the mascara smudges, not with Thrive Cosmetics. And it comes off really easily, again, so that it doesn't get damaged. I just use warm water and a washcloth, and these little tubes on each lash just slide right off. It is literally their best-selling product from Thrive Cosmetics. So if you want to check it out, 100% vegan, cruelty-free, and know that it's called Thrive Cosmetics, spelled cause, for a reason because part of their mission is with every purchase, they support organizations that help communities thrive, whether it's domestic abuse, homelessness, cancer, so many things. So if you want to try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself, you can get an exclusive 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com forward slash D-M-A. That's Thrive Cosmetics. Remember, the cause is spelled out dot com slash D-M-A for 15% off your first order. And how have you seen... Him use your unique space to minister to others, or it's from that place that you've been writing. And I'm guessing, like, you just gave me hope with your teens, but you know, the loss of a child and walking through divorce. I mean, there are a lot of ministry areas. How do you even know what to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like there are so many opportunities that you could encourage and extend hope to women. What have you settled? What have you settled on or where have you felt God's leading in that?
1: Well, that's a great question because I feel like I'm constantly asking about that. Like I don't feel like I'm one of those people that's arrived and people I know exactly what my lane is for my ministry. Like I sense God wants me to help people find joy in Him in the midst of their suffering. So that's the big thing. But how I do that from day to day is different because I'm always torn with, do I have coffee with the people in my life? Like the people that go to my Mm -hmm. church that are struggling, like those are the real people in my life. Or do I write a blog post? I write for Dishon God. I just wrote a Bible study. And yet that takes me away from the individuals. And yet God uses that to serve a a greater group of people. Um, And because I'm pretty bound to my house, like people who have coffee come to my house, it's really a neat way the way... um, The world is now that you can write and and have a ministry and not have to leave your house because I don't leave my house very often. And so Mm -hmm. that makes it easy in some ways to decide what God is calling me to do, because if it's, you know, fly across the world, I'm not going to do that very often. I mean, not that I wouldn't do it, but I just really have to feel called, which I feel like the weaker I am, the more I have to listen to God and discern God's voice because I can't do all those things. Whereas if I could, I think I would try to
0: but knowing, okay, I can't do these. (laughs) It just sounds like, I mean, in in the book we walk through various boundary lines and it sounds like there's very clear boundary lines. If it requires this of me, it's a no. And I think as a lot of women, they haven't discerned those or defined those for themselves or they're frustrated that those are the boundary lines. So they're like, oh, I'm like, we just talked about, I'm missing that opportunity because I have to say no. Instead of saying, no, it's a gift. I know what my yeses are yes you know what your yeses are and it helps clarify um and i i love the language like assignments versus calling like calling being go and make disciples mm-hmm. and assignments being where that happens and so mm-hmm. you saying my my home is my place that's the boundary line and people come to me or from my home i'm writing and i'm entering the online world and i'm reaching the globe from my desk yes. you know like mm-hmm. which is the gift or this podcast like Anywhere in the globe, someone could listen. It's like, I don't have to physically leave this place, but if it requires me to do that, then it's a no. And what is that for someone listening? Like, what is that line for you? Maybe, maybe you are working outside the home and your time or your time is very limited. So you have to recognize what time do I have? And, oh, maybe that place of work is my place. Like that's the boundary line. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how can God use me there? Yeah. Right. Like all of these boundary lines and limitations are God given and, and just
1: embracing that makes you think, okay, I'm going to flourish within this Mm. because this is where God's called me versus, Oh, if I just had this, whatever it is different, then I could flourish. And I think we all believe that lie. Like if we just had, you know, kids out of the house, we could flourish. Or if we just had this or that, We think, wow, then God could really use me or then I'd be fulfilled or then I can do those things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the lie that Satan always shows us is there's something just a little bit better than what God has given
0: us. Yeah. Yeah. And like you're saying, finding the joy, even in the suffering or even in the heart or even in those boundaries, what do you often tell people who are walking through that? Whatever loss or grief journey they're on, what Mm -hmm. do you usually... how how do you encourage them in that?
1: Well, um, I had a word for the year two years ago and it was, um, God is using this. I, I have a word for the year every year, but, um, that one, God, I use that often when I talk to people, not that God is using you, like, you know, you're just an example, but God is using your suffering for his glory. God is using your life. God loves you. And I think there's a real joy in knowing that we get to be part of his kingdom and, 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 So I think I encourage people that you can't you can't see all that God is doing in the midst of your suffering. But I think one day it's going to blow your mind and you're going to be amazed at all the little sacrifices you made that one day are going to shine in glory and it will be visible and it will be seen. So don't assume these little things that you give up don't count because they do. And God is using all of your suffering. And I think that there's so many little things that we give up in suffering. Like people see the big things. Like when I tell my story, people see the big things. And um, I think the little things are often the hardest things though. And um, I'm friends with Johnny Eric Santana, And I remember the first time I met her, I was um, eating with her and a bunch of other people. And I noticed that she can't choose what she gets to eat in one bite of food. And I'm a huge foodie. So like, I really want every bite of my food to be exactly the way I want it. And somebody was helping her and it was like, yeah, you get just one bite of mashed potatoes first and then you can get a bite of chicken, whereas I like a bite of everything in there. And I just said something to Johnny about, wow, you don't get to choose how everything is. And she just said, I don't. But every time I can't choose something and I have to give it up, I I see it as giving it to Jesus. And I know that Mm -hmm. one day she said, one day these will shine in glory. And that has really struck me because it's little stuff like not getting the bite of food that you want or not going to that party or not being able to do little things that other people wouldn't see as the big things. But I think those are the things that will count and, and those are the things that I think discourages now, though
0: mm. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. Before we have to end our conversation, I do feel like I'd love to give a word to the moms who are step parenting, because you mentioned that's part of your story too. I mean, really, truly, you have so many different areas that you can minister to people, but what word of encouragement do you have for her if that is part of her story? Yeah, I would say
1: for whatever reason, you're step parenting, whether
0: it's um, because of a divorce or a death of
1: um, your stepchildren's natural mother, just trust God that he is giving you everything you need to parent these children and not to feel like you're inadequate or that you have to keep um, trying to measure up to their um, birth mother and natural mother, but but realizing that God has a unique role for you and you don't have to try to be them and do the things that they do or did, but just really embrace the fact that God has called you into this role and God will equip you. Um, I would also say be patient um, depending on the ages of their children. The people that I know that have really step-parented younger children, it's it's a journey and it's hard. And often kids Say really cruel things and just to look at the long road and remember, just as my friend had said, parenting is a long game. And I think step parenting is very much a long game. And often at the beginning, there isn't this natural um, affection like there is early on when you've either have your own children or have adopted children. There's just there's been a a grief that has caused you to be a step parent. So just recognizing that it it always comes from some kind of a grief and a loss for for their children and for you. And so recognizing that and being
0: patient with that, I think is is something really important for, for step parents to remember. Cause even if maybe they don't want you to parent like their previous one, there's pain in that. Yeah. There's pain if that parent is chose they chose to walk away. There's pain if there's addiction. There's pain. I mean, there's so many. Like you're right. There's so many aspects, and to not take how they're responding to their journey personally, and to be that soft place to land, of love and acceptance, it's a high, a high assignment and calling to mm-hmm. show up in that place. And so we see you, step parents. We see it's not easy if you're having to co-parent with the previous. Parents, I mean, yeah. None of this is easy. Yeah. I um a friend of mine
1: went um actually after my ex-husband Nelson left. And this isn't has doesn't have to do with step parenting per se, but I think it really applies. And she said, we are never so much like Christ as when we are willing to suffer for the sins of others. And mm-hmm. I think when you step-parent, you are willing to suffer for the sins of others. When um, your, kid, your stepchildren are angry or don't appreciate you, or there's conflict with the um, the other parent, um, you really often are suffering for something that you didn't really have anything to do with. You didn't create the situation, and yet you were being called to forbear and to not be bitter, even though it would be really
0: easy. That is a good word. I'm thinking of that as we're heading into Easter and Lent is all about identifying with the suffering of Christ, and I know that. That For you personally, I can imagine that you have camped out on that quite Mm -hmm. a bit.
1: I have. I mean, it's neat how God gives us, I love all these different things because they just kind of reverberate through your mind when you're going through something hard. It's like, okay, I'm willing to suffer for the sins of others because Christ did that for me. And so I think those things are important. I think acknowledging what's hard is what's really helpful when people minimize it then I think we feel really alone where when people say, this is hard, you are doing a hard job. I think it makes it easier to do than when people pretend like there isn't any problem at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you're not doing anything wrong if it's hard. I always like to say that. I've mm-hmm. say, I probably say that every episode. I'm not <laughs> doing anything wrong if it's hard. Before we go, is there any, like a you mentioned that book about John Newton and suffering. Is there other, another go-to book that you would recommend if someone's walking through mm. the season or has possibly a long term illness or affliction or pain. Yeah,
1: that is a great question. Okay, so everything Johnny Eric Santada writes is amazing. Yeah. So I would, um, I would go with her. One of my favorite books of hers is not as well known. It's called A Lifetime of Wisdom, and I love that book. I, lo- I love all her books. So I, I think she would be a go to. I love Paul Tripp's book, Suffering. Tim Keller's book on suffering is amazing. Um, yeah. There's a great book. Mark Vrokop has a great book on lament. Mm. There's, there's just so many amazing books on suffering. that um, Yeah, because there's a lot of saints that have walked these roads before us and share what they've, what they've learned. And you have a Bible study coming out. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so I have a Bible study coming out. It releases May 1st with Lifeway and it's called... Desperate for Hope, The Questions We Ask God in Suffering, Loss, and Longing. And it is about questions, questions that I've asked. And I think questions a lot of people ask, like, if God loves me, why did this happen? And what if the worst happens? And what if it never gets better? And these questions that we ask, and I think as believers, a lot of times we think, oh, we shouldn't ask God questions. And I hear people say that all the time. And yet I've seen more people walk away from God because they haven't asked questions and I think most people who ask questions draw closer to God because God has answers. And a lot of the answers lie in himself, but God is God wants our questions. And I think we see that all through scripture. People are asking God questions. And so that's a lot of what the Bible study is about, is looking at women in the Bible who've asked questions and how God has answered and how we can take all of our pain and all of our sorrow to God and really come out with a stronger faith than if we just decided we needed to do it on our own and sort of this trust God anyway, it's all good. You know, sort of whitewashing pain, I think is what makes people lonely and and afraid and pull away from God in their pain.
0: It's like if you blame him for the suffering and walk away versus bringing the blame to him and letting, I feel like when you're asking questions, you're in relationship still, like yes. you're still facing each other. When you have decided you're the cause and I'm walking away, there's no chance for a relationship. There's no, you're not even inviting God into it to say what's going on or hope or any, no, no encouragement can come or healing can come if we blame and, and leave. Right. I mean, I think yeah.
1: questions are some, sometimes kind of akin to wrestling. We see Jacob wrestling with God and wrestling involves hand-to-hand combat. You look people in the eyes. You are there and fully present. And I think God wants us to wrestle with him. He wants to be there with us versus just sort of turning away and, and yeah. maybe not overtly walking away, but not wanting to be close because suffering is hard and God wants us to draw near to him and talk to him about it versus think we can handle it on our own. Yeah.
0: So I'm pretty passionate about that. <laughs> um, I am so thankful for your voice and for all that you're doing and using what God has given you and um, your gifts. And so thank you for joining me today and sharing some of that with my people. Oh, thank you. This has been a great conversation and I'm very excited about your book. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. (laughs) Even if you didn't know. Yeah, now now I can't wait to get it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Have a great one. Thank you. Thank you. You too. I hope that you connect with Vanitha outside of this episode, that if you or someone you know is walking through something really hard or still processing something really hard, that her words that she's written and just the resources that she shares would encourage you, and that you have been encouraged through her testimony of faith in the hardest things, the things that most of us fear happening. Lord, I thank you that you're God and we're not I feel like I say that a lot, but I oftentimes lean on my own understanding and struggle to surrender and trust that you have something bigger going on. I thank you for Vanitha's reminder to experience you right where we are, to see what you've assigned to us and to trust that you know what you're doing. I pray for anyone listening in the current suffering they're walking through that through your Holy Spirit, you would be a present comfort that you, your arms would surround them. If there's heartache over a child, if there's wounding that's currently happening, that there's a diagnosis that was just received, Lord, that you would keep them present focused right now, that you would remind them of the strength you offer when they feel weak. When it feels like too much, that they can't do this anymore, that they can't pray for this thing one more time, Lord, I pray that they would invite others in, that these experiences wouldn't be wasted, and that they can more than anything, Lord, dialogue with you, dialogue with you about the parts of their life and the lies they're believing so that they can hear your truth and that truth can center them and ground them and that we can trust that ultimately, Lord, you are restoring all things, redeeming all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks y'all for joining me. Uh, I do hope that if you haven't ordered a copy of the Right Where You Belong book that you would, it's such a gift to authors when you pre-order. I know you're hearing that from people and you're like, what in the world? Why does it matter? When you pre-order, on the day it launches, all those pre-orders go through and it tells all the distributors and you know the peeps that a massive amount of books were just ordered. And for some reason, that's a big deal. So it doesn't really even matter. It's probably better if it's from a variety of places. So don't feel like you have to order it from one specific place. I do know Baker Bookhouse has it discounted. um, But Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Christian Book, Amazon, all the places have it. Just Google right where you belong. Or you can go to my website, heathermcfadyen.com forward slash. And it's the first letter of each word in the title. R W Y B and if you do pre order and you're on that page, scroll down because if you put in your name, your email, your order number, when the book releases, I will send you a link to get a free copy of the audiobook, which I recorded for you. And so many cool stories with that uh, process, even. You will get a copy of that. And I have a limited number of those. So I hope. That you get your pre-order in, you fill out that form so that you get to be one of the ones who gets the free audiobook. And y'all, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for your support. Uh, tomorrow, the first episode that I recorded with Candace Cameron Bure comes out officially and we're talking about never missing out. We're talking about that first ch- chapter of the book. So if you want to head over to Candace Cameron Bure podcast, you can listen to that episode there. Appreciate y'all. So thankful. I hope that you feel God's love and favor over you, even in the hardest things. All right. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to DontMomAlone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present